You're listening to episode number five of The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. Welcome to the Road to Seven podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their road to seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins. On today's episode of The Road to Seven, I will be interviewing Rona Bierenbaum from Caring for Clients. Rona has worked in financial services for over 25 years within the credit union, full-service brokerage, and independent financial planning industries. She founded Caring for Clients, one of Canada's first fee-for-service financial planning firms, in 2000. In 2017, Wealth Professional Magazine named Caring for Clients the top independent firm in Canada and Rona one of the top 50 advisors in Canada three years running. Rona was recently named a Woman of Influence in Financial Services by Wealth Professional Magazine. She has developed an incredibly strong team of seven financial professionals, and as a team, they deliver outstanding value to their diverse clientele. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of charting your own course when it comes to your business success, and also the whole idea of success being a team sport where everyone has to have the win mentality. A big welcome to Rona. And hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of The Road to Seven. I am so excited and honored to have Rona with us today. Rona is a financial planner who helps women increase their net worth so that they can retire someday. And who doesn't want to retire? And I know, Rona, you do so much more than that. And I'll let you talk about that. Um, Thank you for coming today. Thank you for being a guest. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to go out on your own and start caring for clients on your own. It had to do with my dissatisfaction and frustration with the Um, the circumstance or the environment I was in. So I was working at a bank-owned brokerage firm, and I tried two of them in in four years and discovered that really this was a sales culture I was in. It was actually a sales job, not an advisory job. The title said financial advisor. The role really was sales, and that's not what I got into financial services to do. I I wanted to advise people and, and help help them make really important life decisions. And so it really became necessary uh, if I wanted to do what I wanted to do in the industry, it became necessary to leave and start something on my own. Where did that passion to help others with their money come from? It wasn't helping people about um, their money. It was helping people. So I've always wanted to, help people. It's just in my DNA. And so when I went to university, I initially went into the psychology program because I thought, well, you know, I'll just help people with everything and, and, uh, and be a counselor or a therapist. And after the first year of that program, I was like, nope, nope, nope. This, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. Uh, and I, I switched to business on, uh, on a friend's recommendation. And the lights turned on for me. Academically, the lights turned on for me. And what I discovered and determined for myself is that I could still help people, but in the business world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then I got a job as a, as a teller because I, I needed a, a job. I worked at the di- in daytime and, and I went to school at night. I did my university degree at night. And so I was introduced to the um, 
the banking world just because I needed a job. And I loved it because I was always dealing with the, the customers mm-hmm. and I saw the opportunity to help. And uh, so I really just turned financial services into a helping business for, for myself. Isn't that neat? So what you brought a load of experience having already worked within a structured business where your job was to simply bring people in. What system did you need to implement within your business that allowed you to grow? What was sort of that key business element that you brought or you implemented first? It was a combination of what I would say is determination, that this is the internal stuff. So it's determination, desire, and then I would say focus. Focus, focus, focus. That's had to be a theme all the way through, and it continues to be something that I need to come back to. Right. And so why focus was important in the early years is because – uh, when you don't have clients, the focus needs to be on getting those clients and doing what will develop that, that business and, and not get distracted by the easy things that make, made me feel like I was working and being productive, but frankly, we're not going to actually create any growth or sustainability in what I was doing. And yeah, and so- that's... You're talking about focusing on your sales funnel. What am yes, I going to do right. to bring people in? And once they're in my, what am I going to do to convert them to clients? And concurrently yeah. focusing on, well, what is my value to the client? Because to get in front of a client is one thing to, uh, to have them see that you are actually the person that can help them and to structure a business that is designed to help those people that you're talking and motivate them to engage with you. Mm-hmm. That it has to be part of the equation as well. I mean, some people call that branding. Other people will call that really getting to your core value proposition and creating a business that can deliver on that value proposition. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to get the sales because once you've got the client, then you actually have to deliver so that you have that client for life. Right. So that's part of your um, delivery process of getting them results. It is. And it was part of how I allocated my time. For example, you know, I might say I'll spend 30% of my time uh, on the operations side of the business. Mm -hmm. How am I going to deliver? How am I going to communicate what we're doing? How do I... uh, how do I hold myself forth in the marketplace mm-hmm. uh, and, and making sure that that was crystal clear and then spending say 60% of my time going out and telling the world in whatever mm-hmm. form I, I did it primarily by networking because I'm a relationship builder. So that's, that's the way I, I make contacts. And then 10% was you know, running the business because in the early days there wasn't much to run. So mm-hmm. it didn't require much more than 10% of my time. So that's how I did it up. Who was your who was your first hire? Um, my first hire was an administrative assistant. Right, and that was uh, that was done because I I knew that I shouldn't be spending all my time or you know once the admin time started creeping up from ten percent to twenty percent to thirty percent, okay, started squeezing those other aspects of my time. Once it hit about 35%, I realized that there was no way I was going to grow unless I delegated that. 
And it was at that point that I brought on my first full-time assistant. How did you, so what I hear so often is people saying, oh, I can't hire, I don't have the money. I can't hire, I don't have the money. What had to come first for you? Was it a belief that if you liberated your time, you could make more money? Or did you have the cash sitting there? How did you, how did you make that leap? It was a combination of both. So I've always run my personal and business finances very prudently. Yes. And it's obviously it's, it's, I'm in the right business yeah. and I take my own <laughs> advice. Yeah. So, so what that meant is that I was never spending all of what the business generated. Yeah. Uh, there always has to be excess for whatever the business needs. For one, that could be a marketing endeavor. It could be staff. It could be uh, technology, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and secondarily, I was also sensitive to the fact that uh, if I lost a client, if um, revenue declined for whatever reason, I, there needed to be a buffer there. So right. I was always building that buffer. So that's part of it. And then uh, I recognized that this, the growth won't come without the support. So it does require, and I've always taken that leap of faith that if I hire well, mm-hmm. that person, that, that talent will pay for itself very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so long as I was crystal clear on what that person's role was mm-hmm. and how it was going to actually help me leverage the business. Right. And so it was not all one or all the other. It's a combination of both. What I love about what you hit on, and I know we've talked about this before, is having that extra or that buffer in your business. There's so many of the listeners to this podcast of the women who I work with who really run it close to the wire. And I've been in that situation as well, where it's dollar in, dollar out, and you're just holding your breath Mm -hmm. and hoping and praying that it works out. How do you, and this is more strategic, Rona, how do you cash flow within your business or allocate so that there is a buffer? In the early days, it actually, the business was so lean that it wasn't really about the business um, financial management. It was about the personal financial management. Uh, And so so essentially, uh, I didn't spend money personally. Uh, I was in, you know, starvation mode mentally. And in other words, I didn't buy a pack of chewing gum. I didn't buy my coffee out. You know, all of the resources were about the business. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that if I committed three years or five years to um, conserving personally, that it would allow me to do more to grow the business. So I, I, I made the personal sacrifices, and I've done so on and off over the years. Anytime I want to do an acceleration of growth, I'll, make a, I'll, I'll take a personal um, hit on that yeah. in order to fund the business to a, a greater degree. So, you know, when somebody is, depending on where your listeners are at with their business, they may say, look, I'm running as lean as I can. Yeah. I can't find any more cash flow. Well, then, you know, if they were my clients, then I'd say, okay, now let's look at what you're spending personally. Right. You say you need sixty or 80000 from the business. Well, where is that money going? Right. And we find some savings on the personal side that if we directed towards something that could really grow your business, you'll actually end up much further ahead on the personal side over time. Right. I love that. Rona, at what point did you realize that seven figures was possible or was that always on your horizon? 
I've never set uh, really clear numerical goals like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I started doing that. Actually, that's not true. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> I started doing that probably about seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, for the um, for the first say ten years, it really was about. Uh, it really was about growth. It wasn't so much about the profitability. Uh, I, I, I wanted to make sure that my pricing for the services I delivered was uh, market uh, sensitive. Yes. Okay. And that, that I delivered well in excess of what the, the, my competitors offered for the same price. Mm-hmm. And I felt that if I did that, that the growth would be there. Mm-hmm. And the results would come. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say maybe about eight years or nine years ago, I started to get a little bit more uh, structured around what I wanted the growth to look like. In mm-hmm. other words, I didn't want just any growth because not all growth is good growth. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it strains one's time, if it's not profitable growth, if it's not fun, if it doesn't lead you closer towards whatever your five or ten year goal is, that's not good growth. Mm-hmm. So, that, so uh, I did get to the point where I started to be a lot more strategic about what I was trying to do. And at the end of the day, that does have there 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 is a financial component to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, so I would say, yeah, it was about eight years ago. And that's when things just started to hum. Interesting. Was there an internal belief that had to shift to allow you to sort of own that new space or to own that new growth? Yeah, I think if I'm being honest, the answer would be yes. I've always had a natural self-confidence and a natural belief in myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, you know, so I became an entrepreneur when I was or business independent business person when I was 26 years old, mm-hmm. 27 years old. So I've always had that that belief in myself. I think where it went to another level, level where it wasn't just that I believed in my own abilities. It, I believed in my ability to build a, a company, to yes. build a team that would have capabilities, to build a business that could outlive me. Mm-hmm. That changed, and that changed. I guess about you know five or six years ago and how that change happened I think was to a large degree I looked at my past success yes and that helped a lot uh and uh and it's hard to argue with how effective my previous decisions had been Mm -hmm. such that if I if I kept making those decisions but just made them with a different focus with a focus on on having this larger entity there's no reason why it shouldn't continue. Um, that that path shouldn't be as, as successful as, as what had happened previously. So you really just went searching for different evidence. I did. <laughs> you went searching yeah. for evidence that, oh my gosh, this actually does work. I bring tremendous value. Look at the results my clients are having. Now let's do more. And I also love that you hit on the fact that you had to separate yourself a little bit mm-hmm. so that this business wasn't just you. You weren't the bottleneck anymore. And I know that for you, team mm-hmm. is hugely important. Mm-hmm. How do you know that you're hiring the right person? Well, you don't know until they get in there. Uh, I think why I'm confident in my hiring is because I've 
I place, I've always placed uh, character and work ethic and aptitude and attitude ahead of experience. Mm -hmm. And that's proven to be the secret sauce for my hiring success. Yes. So, um, and, 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 and I guess every successful hire has built my confidence that that approach is the one that works not just for me, but works for this business. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, and I hear a lot of more these days people talk about culture and fit mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't quite as hip uh, yeah. 10 or 15 years ago. Yes. You know, it was all about what is your resume, where have you worked, uh, you know, what is your, all of this. And, 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 and that wasn't my focus back then. And it, it, frankly, it still isn't my focus now. I don't ignore those things, but I'm looking for some more essential characteristics from people. Sure. Uh, and that's proven to be, I think people can learn anything mm-hmm. uh, if they have the right, if, if, they're, if their purpose is aligned and they work damn hard and they're bright and they can learn. So yeah, yeah that's been the formula. I love that. Rona, I know that every growth has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying what's a mistake that you've made, let me rephrase that question in terms of what's the biggest lesson that you have learned either from a decision that you've made or something that's happened in your business? Well, the, I mean, the whole whole journey has been one one big a lesson. Um, I think hmm, for me, it's two things, um, and they're the two sides of, of of a coin: speed and patience. Tell me more. So, I think patience. Uh, Patience, I think, was really important in the beginning because it does take time to build a business. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, why I go back to the fact that if you're, <laughs> you have to be conservative with how you spend your personal money because it usually takes longer than you think it will. Yes. And there are obstacles you may not have encountered or, or not have anticipated that slow your, your progress. So um, I think having patience makes it less scary when maybe the, the pace is, you know, really what, whatever, whatever is realistic for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, you can't be too patient. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so um, speed in decision-making, I think, is really, really key. And, uh, and I've learned that making the perfect decision isn't, isn't um, a requirement. Yes. But making sound decisions quickly and efficiently and then adapting as you see those decisions play out operationally or how the, the marketplace or your customers respond to them, that's mm-hmm. actually more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think one of the things I've been very good at uh, over the years, and, I, and, and I'm more confident in how valuable this is uh, every day, is, is fast decisions. And, um, and then respond, react, and adjust. I love that. So just because you're not, you don't have your hand in every single element of the business, you're still monitoring and seeing and knowing 
absolutely everything that's going on so you can adjust the course if need be. Yes, and I think that the you mentioned before how hard it is sometimes for entrepreneurs to um, to share control or to mm-hmm. delegate, and it yes. is a, a, the major obstacle to the growth of a business. And so, so I would say I'm unafraid of relinquishing control. In fact, I have to work hard to get my team. It's, it's not as hard now as it, as it is when they first start working with me to actually um, take ownership of mm-hmm. uh, their role and accountability mm-hmm. uh, quickly and at a level that maybe they would not have anticipated uh, and that would not normally be the, the case. Right. And so, uh, and the reason why that works is again, uh, you, you progress faster and you have to prove to your team members quickly that they can't, um, they won't get hurt by making a decision. Okay. All right. So you allow so, them to make a decision. But it's not enough to just allow. It's like when that decision is a decision you wouldn't have made, I wouldn't have made, yeah. if I had made a di- different decision. They can't be penalized for that. They just have to learn from that. Right. Now, the, how it works and how, my shortcut for not being afraid of, of, of give, relinquishing that kind of control is I just go back and I say, whatever decision that you need to make in the moment has one guiding principle. And the guiding principle is the name of the company, which is caring for clients. Mm -hmm. So you ask yourself the the question, is the decision I'm making here going to serve that? Mm -hmm. Will it be an expression of care, compassion, uh, service, et cetera, to the client? If it's it's self-focused, if, it, if it's not about that, uh, if it's not about caring, then, then it's not the right decision. So they, nobody will get in trouble with me for making a decision, even if it costs money, that delivers on what we're all about. Now, then they might have to learn about how they might, you know, fine-tune that decision the next time. For sure. But, but the freedom is important. And the, but I, yeah. I, I think what sort of, what I keep, what I'm saying I don't want to say impressed, Rona, because that's condescending. I love the stoicism that you have behind your business. And by that, I mean, you have, it's called fear setting. What if the worst thing happens if one of my employees makes a decision? Not only are you mitigating that risk by having it come from your core values, we are all about caring for clients, but you also trust that if the worst case scenario does happen, you can fix it. Oh, sure. And that's what I love. And that's, you know, that's such a, a trust. And, and to allow you to do that, you've had to go through being vulnerable and, and putting your trust and your most precious asset, which is your clients, in the hands of others. And I am going to push a little bit. And I think that is possibly what has allowed you to grow as big as you have. I know how important your team is for you. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, uh, it's um, and and any future growth has to come from either expanding their personal capabilities, yes, uh, improving operational efficiencies, uh, which involves all of us, and then continuing to grow the team in a in the way we have. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, I'll give you an example. Two two years ago, um, I. Uh, 
started working with someone who was going to help me kind of introduce some some efficiencies into the process and so I decided to sit down with the team and tell them that you know I really if we're going to grow there's some things we need to do differently and we'll require different things of you mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I had them actually involved in identifying where the uh, where the pressure points were mm-hmm. in, in, in the business mm-hmm. and that I, the areas where I was a bottleneck. Yes. You know, and I asked them what they thought this, a solution would be. Mm-hmm. And I already had ideas in my mind, of course, as to what I thought would be the case, but to actually then just impose that on the team. Uh, it, it, I don't think that's the most effective way to get that kind of buy-in and participation. Yeah. And what was beautiful was at the time I wanted to kind of raise the, the stature and responsibility of one of my, my planners. And I wanted her to become more of the go-to internally. Mm-hmm. And they suggested that in that meeting. Interesting. So they actually gave a promotion to one of their colleagues. I didn't have to, uh, impose it on the team and have them think, well, why didn't she pick me? Right. You know, so that, uh, engagement and involvement, they're all very involved in the decisions that we make, that I make in, in, in the business. Um, I think really also has helped a lot. I love that. So just to wrap us up, Mm -hmm. Rona, go back to your 26 year old self. When you stepped out of the corporate, you stepped out of the safety and you went on your own. What is one piece of advice you would give to her knowing what you do now that you didn't know then? Piece of advice. Ah, okay, I know what it would be. Because I'm finding, I'm, I'm finally following that advice now. And if I'd followed it um, back then, I can't even imagine. I don't even want to imagine. So what I would say to myself is... Um, Focus on your fitness, your your physical fitness, your diet, because energy is key. Physical and mental energy is key to making something really meaningful happen. Yeah. And you won't have the energy unless you're eating, exercising, and sleeping well. I've always slept well. That's never been a problem. That's why mm-hmm. I didn't put that in, 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 in the advice. For me, yeah. it would be eating well yeah. and exercising. Uh, and... Um, in the last two years, I've, I've taken on a whole lot more. Um, I've started a second business, and there's a lot of other things happening. And I, I finally said, Rona, you, you're not going to be able to do all of what you want to do unless you are strong physically. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen the impact it's had on my energy. And boy, what a difference. Yeah. Amazing. So a 26-year-old we- thinks that they're, they, they, they don't need all that sure. stuff. But they, they <laughs> sure do. Yeah. seeing how you've been 26 for a while now. (laughs) I love it, Rona. Rona, I know that listeners are going to want to connect with you. I know that you do amazing things with women's financial portfolios. How can they get in touch with you? How can they stay in touch with you or reach out? Sure. They can find me on Twitter at caring for clients. Four is the number four on Twitter. Okay. Uh, we are, um, they can always email me Rona at caring for Caring for clients also has a YouTube channel so they can okay. engage with me there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So lots of places they can find me and I do welcome them to, to reach out. I love to talk to other entrepreneurs. 
Perfect. And I will put all those links below where this is posted. And Rona, I can't thank you enough for your time today. What amazing wisdom you have shared with all of us who are, no matter where we are in the stage on the road to seven, um, sound piece of advice. And if I can just capture the two that really resonate for me is empowering your team and let them do awesome. And that your self-care is number one. I love it. You've summed it up. Thanks. It's been a blast. Thank you, Rona. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Road to 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. To learn more, visit SheilaCummins.com for more support along your road to seven figures and beyond in your business. See you next time.